Hello and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. Before we begin, I'd just like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics. The views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. Right, with that out of the way, I am delighted to be joined by Jack Worth, lead economist at the National Foundation for Education Research. Welcome, Jack. Hello. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Jack is an economist and an expert in the teacher labour market. His work on analysis of large data sets, including the National Pupil Database, School Workforce Census and Labour Force Survey, is helping to inform policy and practice. He's also a regular commentator uh, in the TES and uh, the go-to person for data in, in, in Schools Week and lots of other publications. And Jack and I are going to be talking about the work he did on teacher autonomy with the Teacher Development Trust that was launched a few weeks ago. Um, I hope I got all of that right, Jack. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, so for any listeners out there who haven't heard of NFER or, or don't know so much about the research that, that you do, can you tell us a bit more about, about what it does and what you do and why you wrote this report? Yeah, sure. So most of our listeners will probably be familiar with uh, NFER as be, uh, being involved in uh, uh, tests and assessment. Um, so we uh, we have uh, tests uh, that schools, lots of schools use, mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, run the national reference test for Ofqual, mm-hmm. and the, uh, we just recently ran the PISA study for OECD uh, and DFE uh, across the UK. Um, so that's a, a large part of our work that's been going yeah. on uh, throughout our seventy-year history. Um, I'm also part of the wider research department uh, and a lot of my work is in the team that looks at policy and practice Mm -hmm. research so a lot of research on evaluation and new quantitative research on different aspects that are affecting the education system at the moment. Great stuff and um, your background um, I I, I think I remember hearing or reading somewhere that you were nearly a teacher. (laughs) I was yeah I thought about it after graduating uh, nearly joined Teach First as my first Uh, employment but I, uh, I decided uh, not to apply for Teach First and actually uh, got a job in education research which was uh, really really good. I uh, got to work with Professor Simon Burgess down in Bristol uh, which was just a fantastic mm-hmm. two years of uh, learning the ropes of how to use big data sets like the National Pupil Database uh, and how to think about research questions affecting the education system like school accountability. Um, and then since then, I've drifted around the kind of economics and then uh, seven years ago, came back to the National Foundation for Educational Research, back into the world of education research. Uh, I've been doing lots of quantitative research ever since, especially on the teacher labour market. OK, and so what um, led you to uh, come and consider this question of, of teacher autonomy? Um, so there's been growing interest over the last four or five years uh, in teacher supply. Uh, we've been uh, focusing our research on uh, teacher retention, so how to mm. keep more teachers in the profession, because that also helps uh, to, with teacher supply, yeah. as well as recruiting more in. If you're recruiting lots in and there are lots of them are leaving, then you've got a bit of a leaky bucket situation mm. that uh, needs sorting out. So we've been pushing hard to, for the sector to think more about retention, mm-hmm. um, as well as thinking about recruitment. Uh, and a lot of our research has found that a lot of the uh, kind of working conditions aspect of teachers' jobs is some of the key factors that are associated with uh, teachers' decision of whether yeah. to leave or not. Uh, so things like job satisfaction are really central mm-hmm. um, to that. Uh, and 
we so we wanted to understand okay so what sits underneath job satisfaction uh, and uh, a lot of that is driven by uh, workload so workload is the number one reason uh, ex teachers say they, yeah. the the reason that why they left uh, so we wanted to understand more about what's going on underneath that what what explains why mm. some teachers have high and low job satisfaction uh, and and workload becomes unmanageable and they end up leaving um so we went over to the psychology literature and pulled out this thing called self-determination theory which uh, lots of people are uh, talking about uh, and one of the so the three key aspects of that are uh, feeling competence mm-hmm. in your work uh, relatedness so having good relationships with your colleagues uh, and also autonomy are kind of three key factors that really underpin uh, intrinsic motivation job satisfaction mm-hmm. uh, so that's why we wanted to understand all of these factors a bit more uh, and we found a really good way of looking at uh, teacher autonomy in particular and it seemed to come out as a really strong factor affecting job satisfaction and also how teachers perceive their workload and how manageable it is great and we're going to obviously use the word autonomy a lot in this podcast um but can we just zero in on what exactly we mean by autonomy um in 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 terms of say particularly a teacher's a teacher's role because obviously there are elements of that job that that do have to be quite consistent um and and those kinds of things what what do we mean by teacher autonomy uh, so by teacher autonomy, uh, we meant uh, how much influence teachers feel they have over certain aspects of their work. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that influence can come in a, in a range of ways, both directly, kind of, are, are you being directed to do certain things? Or yeah. can, do you have a bit more freedom about how you decide to go about things or what to do or what order to do it in? Um, and also the wider uh, perspective on... Uh, as you say, schools mm. work within, uh, you know, <laughs> always trying to create a coherent setting so that, you know, all the teachers are working together yeah. uh, to some common purpose. And that's uh, absolutely right. Uh, aut- autonomy isn't about uh, kind of uh, banishing that. <laughs> um, but but it is about staff feeling yeah. um, some kind of buy-in. So having, having influence is a bit wider and actually having uh, a voice in terms of how school-level decisions are made can also become part of... Uh, influence over Mm. how you're doing your work okay and can you share some of the main the main findings what you what you learned about teacher autonomy by conducting this research yeah so we 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 looked at it from several different perspectives Mm. uh the first was to look at uh teachers uh self self self-reported level of autonomy compared to uh, other professions because we use a household survey where we can compare teachers with uh, people in other professions uh, and that seemed to be showing quite a striking difference so teachers report having a, f- a fair bit of autonomy it's not mm-hmm. like they're kind of uh, you know reporting really low levels of autonomy in their work but they're significantly less uh, reporting significantly less than people in other professions so there may be some ground to uh, to make up there and we're not making full uh, benefit of the uh, the very strong relationship mm. that we found between autonomy and job satisfaction so it, it it kind of rests on a perception just so that i oh absolutely yeah we weren't following around teachers with a, <laughs> with a clipboard assessing how how autonomous they were in their yeah. role it is very much about a survey-based uh, approach by asking teachers about how they felt um how much influence they felt over various things um the problem with this household survey was it was mm. quite generic so yeah. it was asking about you know how much influence do you have over how you do your job which is kind of you know useful to know but it doesn't really help you zero in on what are the main issues mm. for teachers um so that's where we augmented it with some questions in our nfer teacher voice omnibus mm-hmm. survey 
uh, where we asked uh, teachers a whole range of questions about different aspects of their work, so very specifically about things around planning, preparation, teaching methods, uh, curriculum, assessment, you know, yeah. across all of these different areas, how much influence do you have over how you do these things and what you do? Okay, and um, you, you mentioned that um, household data survey. What did you, what did you see about um, levels of teacher autonomy relative to other professions? Um, so we found uh, a whole range of um, autonomy levels across different professions. Mm. Uh, it tends to be uh, lower in public sector professions, so particularly health professionals mm. uh, and civil servants, for example, a kind of similar level to teachers. But across the whole range of different professions, including lawyers, business, IT, uh, librarians, mm. all sorts, uh, there seems to be a, a distinctly higher level amongst those other professions. So that seems to be... Um, uh, coming out as uh, you know, teachers. Yeah. Th- there seems to be some gap that teachers uh, are experiencing, and that gap hasn't really changed in the last mm. five or ten years. It seems to have been fairly consistent since at least 2010. So it doesn't seem like there's been some big policy change in the last yeah. ten years which has caused that. And indeed, some of it might be down to the very nature of teaching that you're kind of you're yeah. having to be uh, uh, collective in some ways uh, and to have a consistent system within schools. Because I was going to ask that There's, there presumably is a level of um, particularly, as you say, civil civil service and healthcare, for example, rather than teaching. You know, if I break my leg in Leicester, I would expect similar things to happen to me than if I broke my leg in Leeds, kind of thing. Um, so that there would be a lot of kind of consistency in in, in terms of, of practice. But I guess one of the things that you're talking about is the extent to which um, you know people could be doing a, this, the same thing or have the same kind of rules and policies around them but do they feel like they have influence over those yes absolutely yeah, yeah. and and a lot of it is uh, you, you can be you can make certain things consistent mm. um, through policies but uh, there's, there's a subtle balance between how you do that and what you actually make consistent so consistency of what mm. so you can have a consistent uh, marking and feedback policy which says you must mark yeah. x number of books per week blah 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 blah. so it's very directive and mm. actually that can be quite demotivating because teachers might think well i can mm. make a bigger impact by doing something slightly different mm. uh, and that's ultimately what everyone cares about is the impact yeah. on on student outcomes mm. whereas you can have a slightly differently framed uh, marking and feedback policy which is a bit less prescriptive mm. um but does lay down some some kind of consistency around what the what the expectations are and how that can uh, lead to impact. So it's about choosing the balance yeah. between what you're making consistent and what you're leaving up to the professional judgment of teachers. Yeah, and it, and I guess also how you enforce it a little bit as as well. I mean, I spent a year as a teacher during which I only got observed once. So actually, I could have been could have been doing all sorts of all sorts of things in that room. Um, whereas if you you know regular observations or the way that those are fed back on etc could could make somebody feel like they had less autonomy yeah absolutely the culture yeah. around it is more than just mm. yeah, it, it's more about the, poli- the policy is not just as it's written but it's mm. more about the, the culture that sits around it yeah you looked at um as teaching versus other professions but also people at different stages in their professional career in teaching and what did you see there about the differences in the levels of autonomy 
Yeah, so we found so we found what you might expect, which is that early career teachers have a lower level of autonomy. Mm. So that's what you might expect because self-determination theory is about how interconnected those relationships and feelings of competence are with autonomy. So as you're learning your craft, as you're becoming more competent, mm-hmm. actually you need quite a bit of support, uh, and that's kind of sensible and proper. And actually, too much autonomy could risk overwhelming a yeah. teacher who's uh, still picking up various things. Um, but what we didn't expect uh, was that after about five years there's no particular increase in the autonomy level experienced by classroom teachers so there's no um, further growth in the kind of uh, influence that's given to those teachers in those particular aspects of teaching Um, what we did find was that if you move into senior leadership you Mm. have uh, greater levels of autonomy which you also find in other professions but there wasn't this great increase Mm. as teachers uh, as as professionals stay in that professional role as they get older and more experienced um and something that 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 struck me this you know this report is about teacher autonomy and you know as as academization has um has grown we've we've talked a lot more about kind of schools being autonomous um themselves but um what the research seems to suggest is that teachers within schools particularly schools in trusts feel that they have less autonomy yeah, that that was what we found. So we we, we compared different school types uh, and found that schools uh, te- teachers who are based in uh, school trusts, particularly mm. large school trusts, tend to have a lower level of autonomy um, than other teachers in local authority maintained schools or single academy trusts. Um, so that suggests uh, maybe an area for um, improvement in terms mm. of you know are are those schools making the best uh, benefit of the benefits that autonomy can bring mm. in terms of job satisfaction and teacher retention. Um, but it's also not necessarily a bad thing um, if it comes along with that extra coherence uh, yeah. and consistency because a lot of multi-academy trusts are thinking about how to uh, standardise things across uh, across their schools and that's quite uh, a difficult thing to get right mm. and, the, and the difficult balance to make between um, using t- making the best use of teachers' professional judgement while also having a consistent approach across yeah. schools and across school groups. And also considering, you know, schools at varying different journeys of school improvement within one consistent policy, that could be quite challenging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we found also a lower level of autonomy among uh, schools that are rated requires improvement and in, uh, inadequate by Ofsted. So again, that may be seen as, a, as either a positive or a negative mm. in terms of actually when you're going through a, a process of school improvement, it's quite important to you know, get a uh, get a bit of a handle on, uh, on things mm. and start to uh, do change a bit more rapidly. We know your curriculum will be in the spotlight during your next Ofsted inspection. So how can you make it shine? The Key for School leaders have put together a free resource pack to help you sharpen your curriculum in 2020. Head to key.sc forward slash shine podcast and download your free copy today. That's key.sc forward slash shine podcast. Your curriculum, your time to shine. Um, so we've we've touched on it a, a number of times there, but why why is teacher autonomy Im- important? And 
what other aspects does it relate to? And you mentioned this as to some of the reasons why you undertook the research in the, in the, in the first place. But particularly, let's start with um, workload. Yeah, so workload is obviously uh, a big topic at the moment. Mm. Uh, it's the number one reason why teachers say that they left. Um, yeah. So there's been a lot of focus on it uh, and a lot of measurement of it. But the, the conversation about workload tends to be around working hours and amount of time mm. spent on different activities. And actually what this research seems to be suggesting, which people have known for a while, but kind of really brings it clearly home, is that uh, workload is a lot more than that. Um, especially when it comes to the decision of whether to leave or not. Mm. Um, one of the key factors seems to be how manageable teachers regard their workload as being. Yeah. And uh, the level of autonomy is, we, we found, is unrelated to the number of working hours. So teachers are working around 50 hours a week, whether they've got high autonomy, yeah. middle autonomy, low autonomy, um, completely flat, whereas there's a really strong relationship with how... Uh, how autonomous teachers feel and their perceptions of how manageable their workload is and that seems to be feeding through into job satisfaction mm. and then through into teachers intention to leave um, so this is the kind of the mechanism we think is operating is that feelings about how manageable workload is is how autonomy is matters to teachers intrinsic motivation and ultimately their decision of whether to leave the professional stay and and do we think um teachers teachers find workload more manageable when more of what they do is 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 things that they feel brought into doing or or want to do versus tasks that they are being given because they you know somebody says i have to do blah yeah i think that's definitely part of it so if you're mandated to do something it's a bit mm. less motivating yeah uh, because uh, <laughs> you, agree do, that, right? you don't yeah. necessarily feel um like uh, you're cho you're choosing to do that but it's not also just about teachers choice it's also mm. about teachers relationships with their pupils so they're working with them every day and they may, may be able to have a clearer focus on what will have the most impact mm. in their classroom and so mandating something completely different maybe detracting from that even though it's leading yeah. into some you know maybe superficial class uh, school level consistency yeah. actually it's detracting from that uh, teacher's ability to best use their professional judgment mm. to maximize the impact of learning in the classroom exactly and um obviously workload connects really very much into into this um re retention issue um and what did we, what did you learn about the connection between autonomy and retention yeah, so again, it feeds through job satisfaction, mm. workload, and then through into... So we asked a survey question about teachers' uh, intention to stay in the profession over the next 12 months, uh, and it was there was a really strong relationship. So you know, less than half of those teachers with the really lowest level of autonomy are expecting to stay in the profession. Um, so that seems like um, a good reason for thinking more about autonomy and how we can mm. make the most benefit um, in terms of retaining more teachers, because that will... Uh, ultimately help to uh, ease the teacher supply challenge that the entire yeah. system is uh, struggling with at the moment. And I was really interested um, in the, the case study um, that, you, that you draw on in, in the report um, where, where, where the Dixon's um, Academy Trust example where you talk about um, 
aligned autonomy and 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 the way that they they work across their trust. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? That's, uh... Yeah. So um, Luke Sparks, mm. who's an executive principal at Dixon's, uh, wrote a really brilliant blog mm. uh, exploring this issue of autonomy, um, particularly thinking about school autonomy. But I think a lot of the same principles apply when you're thinking about teachers' autonomy. Yeah. I really. I mean, uh, or anyone's autonomy. Or, I thought it was really autonomy of universally. anything. Uh, and it's exactly going <laughs> yeah. back to this this point about the balance between autonomy and mm. then gaining some kind of coherence. It, you know, leaders are important in mm. making that happen and getting that balance uh, exactly right, which is a really difficult problem. Uh, and the point of uh, that blog was to mm. say it's not necessarily a complete trade-off where, oh, do we need more autonomy and less coherence or less, you know, mm. less autonomy and more coherence? It's about, well, how can you actually construct things so that you can make the ben- the best benefit mm. from both you try to maximize both and obviously there's a bit of a trade-off there's a bit of a balance to be made um but there are different ways of going about things where you can align and Mm. give people autonomy within that alignment and actually um if we're thinking about some of those other aspects around job satisfaction retention and all these other things if you do get that balance of autonomy and coherence right and actually what that leads to is a more successful organization or you know better results and outcomes for pupils um, then some of that kind of motivating energy um, goes some way to addressing concerns about about some of um, you know retention um, issues Um, but yeah I think that's um, is really interesting to sort of explore what what is the balance because completely everyone just pitches up and does whatever they want all day that's that's not going to achieve um, the results that, as you say, everyone's focused on on, out, on outcomes for children. Um, so it would be interesting to to, to see um, see more work in in that area. And what what practical impl- implications um, does this work have for the sector? If I'm a if I'm a school leader, what what should I now be thinking about? Yeah, so thinking through that balance uh, was uh, something we were really focused mm. on when we got these these uh, findings, because the findings are mostly about yeah. uh, the benefits of autonomy, but actually the data doesn't necessarily say mm. anything about this wider issue of how do you balance these uh, these great things. Um, so we put together a focus group of senior leaders to think about and teachers to mm-hmm. s- see what see what they were making of this, uh, and also spoke to some people in the in policy circles as well. Um, and that was really helpful for thinking through these different things. Um, and also we looked at the data in a bit more detail to find mm. out well, w- which of the specific areas of autonomy yeah. that uh, are particularly associated with job satisfaction. If we could only improve one of those mm-hmm. uh, aspects of autonomy, which one would we choose? Uh, and the clear message that seemed to be coming out of that analysis was that uh teachers influence over their professional development goals was the really key thing that would uh, kind of unlock a big increase in job satisfaction and an intention to stay in the the profession so that got us thinking and uh, wanting to talk to the teacher development trust Mm. who we partnered with uh, and that was really helpful for understanding what can uh, schools do about this Mm -hmm. uh, to really maximize the benefits uh, of autonomy Uh, and it seemed to be that there were lots of opportunities for benefits in terms of professional development because it seems to be uh, a win-win that actually if you engage teachers more in their professional development they feel more bought into it Uh, you can marry that with what the whole school development needs are but without feeling like that's uh, you know a a diktat to teachers that Mm. you're going to go in this particular professional direction uh, this year because that's what the school is doing or because Mm. that's what we perceive Ofsted needs Um, 
So engaging teachers more in that process would actually um, better motivate teachers, um, but also potentially uh, going back to that point about um, having an impact in the classroom. You know, what do teachers feel yeah. like they need to develop in order to increase their impact in the classroom? So th- there seems to be a really um, interesting opportunity for schools mm. in terms of thinking really hard about how they design and deliver professional development to maximise the impact and also to really engage staff. Yeah, and and again, I guess the the balance the balance is required there. And I know something when um, you know we've 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 spoken to schools a lot about um, professional development and this kind of you can't just have a one size fits all inset day, but that's the kind of slot that you're given. And there are these topics that are buzzy and everyone wants to be talking about, as you say, linked to Ofsted and this, this kind of thing. Um, and how can you do some of that sort of basic hygiene stuff? Um, alongside investing in um, more tailored programs and using the expertise that you have already to, you know, and it's it, that's a you know a, a big consideration and investment of time and resource resource for a school. But but as you say, if it's going to have that positive impact on on retention, satisfaction, mm-hmm. and outcomes, then definitely definitely something that um, that needs to be looked at. Um, so yeah that that's um that that's really uh useful and then in terms of kind of further further work and 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 research that you would like to see happen that you may be doing that you're aware of other people doing um things that, that you'd like to know from school leaders any anything to sort of further this conversation um yeah so there's some really uh interesting looking data coming out next month I think which would be really uh, interesting to take this another level further uh, which is data from the OECD's TALIS survey so oh, it's a yeah. big international survey mm-hmm. of a representative sample of teachers in lots of different countries so England has participated in the most recent 2018 survey mm-hmm. and so have 40 plus other countries across the world um, and one of the battery of questions that's uh, being released next month is about teachers' autonomy uh, okay. in the classroom mm. uh, and around different aspects. So it'd be really interesting to not only benchmark to other professions like we have, but also mm. to benchmark to other countries in how much autonomy do teachers in other countries have and how does that relate to how high-performing they are, different mm. aspects around the, the accountability system in different countries, uh, to really understand where does England sit in, a, in an international context. Yeah, and I guess it's there's, there'll be wider learnings there around the kind of the status of of, of teachers, the you know the profession, and obviously it's something that the chartered college talk about um, a lot. But yeah, I I feel like we always get these examples from overseas where you know teachers who've been in the classroom for a long time do have more status and more of a role as a kind of master teacher. And as you've just described, your your findings suggest that actually more than five years in the classroom you're just kind of you're parked a little bit and you don't you don't feel as um, autonomous so that does sound like it's going to be a really interesting addition and I'm sure this um, uh, conversation will will continue and anything forthcoming from the NFER um, that we should be keeping our eyes open for? Uh, Yeah so we're just putting together our uh, teacher labour market in England annual report Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, is a kind of update on the on the whole teacher labor market situation at the moment pulling in the latest data to give a really up-to-date picture of how are things now Mm -hmm. how have things developed a year on from the dfe's recruitment and retention strategy uh, to really understand what progress the entire sector is making towards meeting the uh, quite daunting supply challenge that we're facing over the next three or four years wow that sounds like it's going to be um an interesting read, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of um, comments and uh, news news coverage of that as as well. 
but um, thank you so much for being with us, Jack. Is there anything else you'd like to say at the end there? Uh, no, thank you very much for having me. It's been great. <laughs> our, our pleasure. And thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.